Well, good morning, church. My name is Jack Caldwell. I'm the director of Youth and Modern Ministries at our church. And today, I was supposed to be preaching in-house in uh, the sanctuary for both traditional services. Um, but out of an abundance of caution, uh, I decided to go ahead and film my sermon and give it to you because I'm feeling a little under the weather. Uh, I don't believe it's COVID, but we want to be safe with it. So today, you're going to get Jack on the screen. So if you don't mind, I would like to begin with just a little bit of prayer, and then we'll take off. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for this time we get to gather and worship. God, I pray that you bless the words that I say, God, that be your words and not my words. In your name, Lord Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, I'm honored today to be able to continue our series. Um, if you don't know, we're in a series called Seeds, and today we're going to be talking about growing in generosity. So I'm, I'm really excited about this particular sermon series. It's been a lot of fun. I grew up getting to uh, work in a garden with my grandfather, and I remember great times, but um, I'm, let's go ahead and address the elephant in the room. I know whenever you hear a pastor um, uh, say generosity, you go ahead and probably go straight to, oh man, this is a sermon about tithing. This is a sermon about giving. And, and I want to tell you, that's, that's not what today is about. Although I would like to remind you that we do have offering stations at the back and online if you'd like to give. No, today we're not going to be talking about tithing because tithing itself is actually not generosity. Tithing is just not stealing from God. Now, that's another sermon for another day that I'll let Jay tell you about. No, today we're going to be talking about generosity. Um, what is generosity? Generosity is showing a readiness to give more of something as money or time than is strictly necessary or expected. Now, our first scripture we're going to be taking a look at today comes from the book of John. Now, if you don't know, John was a disciple of Jesus Christ. Um, in fact, one of the things I love about John, that in, in his book, he refers to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. And I have no doubt that Jesus loved him, but uh, you know, if you get to write uh, your own account of Jesus' life, yeah, I might include myself as the one that Jesus loved. Anyway... So what we're going to be taking a look at is we're going to be taking a look at the scripture from Jesus. And at this point, Jesus is actually um, getting prepared to uh, give his life uh, for us. So that's where we're going to kind of jump in. We're going to be taking a look at, if you want to turn there in your Bibles, uh, we're going to be taking a look at John chapter 12, verses 20 through 26. So we will begin at verse 20. Here we go. Some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. They said, Sir, we want to meet Jesus. Philip told Andrew about it, and they went together to ask Jesus. So what's going on? See, these Greeks were most likely ones who had converted to Judaism because um, they, they were there visiting Jerusalem during the Passover. Okay, And um, they wanted to meet this famous rabbi. Remember, Jesus at this point is, is thought of as this great teacher. You know, They don't know him as the Messiah yet, but they want to meet him because he's doing amazing things. 
And uh, I guess Philip was a little nervous about it. I don't know. He wanted backup. So he went and talked to Andrew, and they both went to talk to Jesus. All right, let's keep going. Then Jesus replied, Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone, but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. So what's Jesus talking about? All right, so the time has come. He's in Jerusalem, it's Passover. The time has come for Jesus to give up his life. So he puts out this analogy of the kernel. Now, I don't know um, how much of a farmer you are or how often you've worked with plants in the garden or things of that nature, but this is kind of how it works. You see, unless you take a seed and you put it in the dirt, unless you plant a seed, you will not get more of that same thing. For example, a kernel of wheat. When you plant a kernel of wheat into the dirt, it will grow up and then produce a lot more kernels, and then you're able to produce more and more food, more and more of that plant. And Jesus is making this analogy, this reference, um, really to two things here. One, he's referring to his own death. He's saying being planted in the ground, a.k.a. dying, and for him being put into a tomb. And then the producing more, the resurrection, and then people coming to follow Jesus. So that's the first thing that he's talking about is a reference to himself that unless he dies, unless he goes into the dirt, um, unless he uh, is buried and rises from the dead, we will not have more abundant fruit. We will not have a greater harvest. People will not be coming to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior unless he does that. So that's the first thing he's talking about. But there's another thing he's talking about too, and that's what we're going to focus on today. Let's keep reading. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Okay, so what's Jesus saying? Okay, he's saying if you hold on tightly to the things of this life, you will lose them when you die. Why? Well, because things like that don't last. You know, money doesn't travel with you. It doesn't. Um, your boat doesn't travel with you. Uh, that certain status at work or in the community doesn't travel with you when you die. But if we are able to give that stuff up to others for Jesus, being generous, then we will keep treasure in heaven. You see, what we're going to be really focusing on today is the fact that this is that, you know, are we going to be generous with our lives? Are we going to be generous with what God has given us? You see, Jesus modeled perfect generosity um, in the scripture above. He's talking about the fact that he generously gave up his life for us. Not a requirement on his part, but because of his love for us and his desire for relationship with us, he gave up his life. Now, remember, generosity is a readiness to give more of something. More of something than what is strictly necessary or expected. 
See, this is why generosity goes beyond a tithe. God asks for 10% in the story. He asks for 10% back. He gives us 100% of it and asks for 10% back. But when we give above that and beyond that, that's when we're being generous. And here's the truth. Generosity doesn't come without sacrifice. Hear me again. Generosity does not come without sacrifice. You must give up something for it to be generous. Okay? Now, Jesus had a parable that I think will help us understand um, this a lot better. And this comes from Matthew um, 25, and it's verse 14 through 30. Now, I'm going to give you the, um, the JVP, which is the Jack Verbiage Paraphrase. Um, I'm going to tell you the story, but if you want to hear um, a real translation of the Bible, I would really love for you to take a look at it. And again, Matthew 25, 14 through 30. So, Jesus has a lot of parables that start like this. And it's the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he goes into it. And this is one of those kingdom of heaven is like parables. So here we go. So Jesus basically says the kingdom of heaven is like a man who leaves for a long trip. Now before he goes, he gets three of his servants to come before him. Then he divides his wealth among them. To one of them, he gives five bags of silver. To the second, he gives two bags of silver. And to the third, he gives one bag of silver, each based on their skill level. All right. The first servant, after his master sets out, goes right away and invests the five and he earns five more bags of silver. The second does the same. As soon as the master is gone, he takes what he's been given and he goes out and he earns two more bags of silver. But the third servant, he takes his bag and he buries it. He hides it. After a long time, the master comes back and he basically calls the servants up to give an account for what they did with his money. And so the first servant comes before the master with 10 bags of silver and presents it to his master. And his master says, great job. You are a good and faithful servant. Since you are faithful with a small amount, I'll give you much more. Let's celebrate. Then the second servant comes to him and brings the four bags of silver and gives it over to him. And pretty much the same thing. The master looks at him and goes, great job. You did what I wanted you to do. You took what I gave you and you made more. But then the last servant comes up, the third servant, and wiping the dirt from his freshly dug up bag of silver, he brings it back to the master. And he says to the master, he says, you know, I know you have high standards. I know that you care a lot about how your money is used. And I was afraid that I would mess it up. So I hid your money in a safe place. But look, here it is. Every penny, just as you gave it to me. Then the master looks at the third servant and he is furious. That is a terrible way to live, he tells him. If you knew I had high standards, why did you do nothing? You could have at least put it in a bank and got some interest. Take the money from this third servant and give it to the one with 10 bags and throw him out. Now, I bring this up because I believe this is a beautiful look at 
what God calls us to do with our generosity. You see, God gives us each everything we have. He gives us um, what we have, not so that we will keep it and hoard it for ourselves. Okay, He gives us what we have so we can use it for him, so we can be generous to those around us. To spell it out a little clearer, Jesus, uh, excuse me, generosity that Jesus wants us to have, I believe, can be summed up in three categories. Those three categories are, I think Jesus wants us to be generous with our resources, our talents, and our time. Our resources, our talents, and our time. That's what he wants us to be generous with. Now let's talk about it. our resources. Yep, money. You know, Jesus, one of the things he talked about the most in the New Testament was money. Why? Because money has a real strong hold on a lot of us. It takes number one place in a lot of our hearts. And so God says we need to be generous with our money. We need to give above and beyond the tithe, the 10%. We need to be generous with our resources, but not just our money, but all our resources. I mean, think about it this way. We need to be generous with our, our boats, you know, a lot of us have boats. Maybe our generosity can extend building community by taking others fishing, right? Maybe the generosity needs to be extended via the fact that we have extra bedrooms in our house and we're able to host people. And we're able to have uh, people come and stay with us. Maybe it's the fact that this is one I had when I was growing up. I had a truck. And if you have a truck, you know you have opportunities to be generous because every time someone moves, they give you a call. They're like, hey, you have a truck, right? And then they follow up with the time and place and the fact they're going to give you pizza if you help them move. We need to be generous with our resources. The second way is generous with our talents. We are all gifted with talents and abilities. Some of it's teaching, some of it's um, singing, some of it's organizing, not mine. Some of us have patience with little kids. Also not mine. Um, some of us have the ability to hold the door and smile. Some of us have the ability of building things. Some of us have the ability of sitting down and, and talking and, and crafting good relationships. And, and um, we all have gifts, about abilities, talents that God has given us. And we're to be generous with those. We're to use them for God. And then the third one, our time. You know, time is the one commodity that you never get back. Once spent, it is gone. We need to be generous with our time. Maybe spend an afternoon with a friend instead of watching the race. Maybe it's go to spend two hours delivering food on Thursdays to those who need it. Maybe you need to be generous with your time and spending that time with your grandparents or with your grandkids. Maybe generous with that time is volunteering with our kids program, with our church, our church programs. Maybe volunteering that time is just taking a moment to have a long conversation with someone who needs it. With these three things, we need to be generous. And I want you to take a moment, just, just pause for a second and think about how your life has been affected by the generosity of others. For example, the building you're in right now was not, was not paid for by you. Now, if you've been here a long time, you may have contributed to the fund, but it was the generosity of many others that led to this building being built. 
Maybe for you, you have an experience in your life where you had generosity came in at just the right time. For me, when I was in college, um, I experienced a house fire and we lost everything in the house. Um, thankfully, no one was hurt, but as we watched it burn when all of our stuff going away and, and having very little stuff, before I went to bed the next day, the generosity of others had provided us a new place to live, um, clothes. They had provided us um, furniture. We had a fully stocked house, but by the time we moved in at the end of the weekend, by people being generous, giving up stuff that they didn't have to. Think about your life. What effect has generosity had on you, your family, your friends? And now I want you to think about this. What effect would it have on Richmond Hill if we as a community of faith, as followers of Jesus, decide to be crazy generous to our neighborhoods, to our classmates, to our work colleagues? Imagine what would happen in Richmond Hill if we decided to take Jesus' example of generosity and we started doing it in our lives. We started doing it for the people around us. I think we could change Richmond Hill. Now, for some of you, actually for a lot of us, generosity always doesn't come easy. But what I want to challenge you with is this, is I want you to look at your life, look at your resources, talent, and your time, and go, okay, where can I use that? Where can I be generous? What's one thing more today I can do to be more generous to those around me to share the love of Christ? Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for today. I pray, God, that you help us to each day to be more generous than the last. That we follow your example of being generous. That we know that a harvest is grown from a little bit of generosity being planted. Help us to have the courage to do that today. Amen.